All right. Hey, it's great to have you all with us this morning. Um, I don't know about you. Maybe you're a little more self-reliant than I am, but there are many situations in life when I recognize that I need help. For example, when I put IKEA furniture together. I mean, there's not even words. It's like in Swedish or something, the company, right? And I'm pulling out tools that they weren't even supposed to be used. I'm hitting the thing with hammers. And by the way, it's not made of wood, just in case you wanted to know. I put holes in it. It never quite works out for me. There are a lot of things in life where we find uh, that we need help. Uh, And more often than not, for me, uh, I've been blessed to have good people around me that have helped me for these uh, situations. But this is a summer where we're going to visit my wife's uh, family in Brazil. And every time I go to Brazil, I find out how much help I really need because I don't know the language. Some of you may have heard me share this story, and forgive you if you've heard this, but the very first time I visited Veronica in her country, I knew little, if any, Portuguese. By the way, I still know little, if any, Portuguese, but just for the record. But I was really green when it came to coming there. And so Veronica got all these words in Portuguese that she had me type, you know, I print them out in the computer. So when I would go to the bus station, I'd try to say the words, and they would just look at me with that blank stare. So then I'd hold up the paper. I might as well have had a sign on me that just says, take me to the city and... uh, It was rough, and uh, I remember getting lost running when I was there, and I couldn't find my way back and couldn't communicate, but you get really good at charades. But there, every time I go there, I realize I need help. I need that translator. I think you all probably recognize that too. Even the most self-reliant among you, those who can fix everything that breaks, you find there are times when you need help in life, and especially as uh, you get older. My wife had somebody call, uh, call her in the office the other day, and they said, getting old is not for sissies. So in other words, as we get older, even the most physically fit of us find there are times when our body breaks down, that we need help, that we can't do it on our own. And I think in our faith lives, as we try to be Christians and live out our faith, oftentimes we find the same problem, that on our own, our most sincere efforts, we don't always live out what we say. I know oftentimes we'll, uh, we'll come here, maybe hear an inspiring sermon, we'll get uh, excited about our faith, and then we'll leave here and we'll come to the traffic circle, and we're like, man, why can people not merge on the traffic circle? How hard is it? You have space, you know, I'm talking to myself, losing my patience, losing my patience with my kids when I come home. Maybe you all can relate to that. Your spouse, times when you... Uh, what you say and what you do when it comes to loving people don't always measure up. We get angry. For some of us, maybe we have a moral lapse, something big that happens where we realize, man, I am such a hypocrite. I can't do this. I can't do this on my own. See, the Apostle Paul recognized the same thing in his life. He recognized that he needed help. He was this very religious guy who tried to follow all the rules, and there were a lot of them for a good Jew like himself. And uh, here's what he said about his rule-keeping. He said, I need something more. This is found in Romans chapter uh, 7, verse 17 through 20. It's from the message version. I love the way it's worded in this. For if I know the law, but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I can decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to be bad, but then I do it anyways. 
My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me, and it gets better, gets the better of me every time. That's the Apostle Paul writing before he had this encounter with Christ, realizing that he couldn't do it on his own. I think all of us in our lives, once again, recognize that we need help. And there's a story I have that perhaps illustrates the advantages of having someone help you. See, there was this kid named Charles, and he was a freshman in college. And a couple weeks ago, I told you a college story, so I'm going to tell you one more. So Charles was taking this introductory logic class. It was a freshman-level course. And like many of the students in class, he was struggling big time. And the final exam was coming up. He was super stressed. How am I going to pass this class? However, the professor made an unusual uh, offer to all the students. She said, you can put all the information you learned in class in a piece of notebook paper, eight and a half by 11, both sides. You can do it. And so all the students got out to sharpen their pencils. This was a little while ago, by the way, before you typed everything on the computer. And they were writing with like microscopic writing, everything they learned, getting out their bifocals so they could see for the exam, except for Charles. He didn't do any of that. When it came time for the exam, the whole class walked in with all their notes and their eight and a half by 11. Charles walked in with a blank piece of paper. But next to him was an advanced logic student. So when it came time for the test, he set the paper on the floor, and the logic student, advanced one, stood on top of the paper and told him everything he needed to know for the exam. And he got an A. And the teacher was so impressed with his logic to figure that out. You see, this guy was all the information he needed on the paper. And he passed the exam with an A. (laughs) You see, I think all of us need someone like this advanced logic student to stand on our paper to help us in every area of our life. But the good news is that we have a God who has stood in our place. He sent Jesus Christ to stand in our place for this sin problem that we all had. The sin problem of trying to do life on our own of trying to do life by our own efforts. He sent Christ to die for our sins on the cross so all of us could have access to a relationship with God. All of us who believe. And not only did he uh, do this for us, he sent us the power of the Holy Spirit so we can have the power to live this out in our lives, to remind us that we not only need help, but we have somebody who is with us at all times and at all places. When the Apostle Paul found this out, he wrote these words. He goes, the answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted and set things right in my life of contradictions where I wanted to serve God with all my heart and mind, but in being pulled by an influence of sin to do something totally different. The Apostle Paul found the power of Christ in his life, through the power of the Holy Spirit, to live out the Christian life. And we're going to talk about that power for each and every one of you today and what that will look like. So when we read the gospel message, the disciples are very worried. Jesus tells them he's going to leave them. And they're like, oh no, now what are we going to do? We can't do this on our own. We need help. But Jesus tells them that he is going to send the Holy Spirit. Here's what he writes. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. 
Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father. I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. See, he reminds the disciples about what's going to happen. And we have the vantage point of 2,000 years later to know what really did happen, not only in their lives, but to the lives of everyone who believes. First of all, Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. And the word, the Greek word there, um, translated means to walk alongside a counselor. See, the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It wasn't just an afterthought. Hey, maybe we should send him this kind of Holy Spirit to give him like warm, fuzzy feelings. No, it's God's presence in their lives that would give them the power to live this out. He would walk alongside of them, not like at a distance saying, you can do it. Come on, keep going. You're doing well. No, to walk with them, to be that counselor, like a good guidance counselor, not my guidance counselor who told me I was going to be a tree surgeon because I said I like the outdoors. I, uh, I really, yeah, anyway, that was, um, so uh, a counselor, an advocate, somebody who's with us, who will walk alongside of us. And not only that, this Holy Spirit remind us of our identity so we don't forget who we are. Reminds us of our adoption. It says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. On that day, you'll realize that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. He fights for us. He reminds us again and again who we are. The Apostle Paul, through all his trying to do life on his own, when he realized he needed help, he was so happy. He writes this, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. We're part of the family we belong, and we mess up two, three times, he doesn't kick us out of the family. When we mess up a thousand, a hundred thousand times, he doesn't kick us out of the family because we belong to him. We have those ID cards that the Holy Spirit reminds us of over and over again that we're part of God's family when we put our trust and we believe in Christ. When we say no to self and yes to God, that's what uh, when our adoption becomes secure. The Holy Spirit's reminds us that. He's our advocate who walks with us and reminds us of our adoption. The other thing the Holy Spirit does, and we learn about this in our gospel reading, is it reminds us and ensures us of the words of Christ. So when we read scripture, it's not like, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and love your neighbor. No, he brings that message to life. He illuminates scripture. He illuminates the words of Christ. It's not like, hey, the Spirit's bringing some new truth that's different than the Bible. Not at all. The Holy Spirit is inseparable from the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit helps us when we read Scripture to know these words deep within us so it's not just surface words that kind of go over our head or, hey, that's a nice pithy statement. No, this becomes truth that we digest and then we live out in our lives. Finally, in this last part about what the Holy Spirit does, is the Holy Spirit transforms us. As he lives in us, he doesn't leave us as we are. The Christian life is never like, I've arrived, I'm perfect Christian. No, it's a constant reminder that we need help every day, that we need the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives. 
the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. It says in Ephesians 2.18, for through him we both have the access to the Father by one spirit. He lives in us and we realize that we have access to God, that we can talk to God about everything. He reminds us who we are. He reminds us that he's with us. Shares us of the words of Christ. And he transforms us. I love this. As a commentary, I like to read the NIV application commentary. And this theologian, Gary Bird, says this. So now the God is at work in the spirit to transform us. God is on our side. He is at work renewing us and loving us. And that's what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. It does convict us when we get off track. It reminds us like, hey, that's not who you are. You belong to Christ. And this is what we do. And it transforms us. So we're not the same person we were 10 years ago. He's constantly chiseling us away so we can be made more in the image of Christ. In 2 Corinthians, uh, Paul writes, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. It's a continual process of the Holy Spirit renewing us. So how do we activate the spirit in our lives? Is that, is that just for like Pentecostal Christians, people that are like really charismatic and, you know, who are kind of jumping up and down for Jesus? Or is it just for, is it for everybody? The scriptures tells us it's, it's for all believers. The prophet Joel told us in the last day that the spirit will come to all people, that all of us can be filled, but we activate it. It, it tells us in the gospel reading today, by loving God, by keeping his commands, Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me, Jesus says. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will too will love them and show myself to them. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. So in other words, in order to activate the Spirit in our lives, we need to put our faith in motion. Our Christian faith was never just to sit in a chair and contemplate life and memorize a few scriptures It was meant to be lived out, to be put into motion. As we live out this message through love and obedience, God will show himself to us. It says, the one who loves me will be loved by my father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. As we live it out, the spirit will become more and more reality in our lives. The early Christians, as they were filled with the Holy Spirit, the whole, uh, their lives were transformed and the church was built from these regularly, regular, ordinary people who had problems just like you and I, who realized they needed help and they couldn't do it on their own. But as they loved each other and tried to obey God, they found out they had a power to do this, the power of the Holy Spirit. God revealed himself to them and the church grew because of these people that recognized They couldn't do it on their own. So as we live out this message, as we are empowered by the Spirit, we have a job to do. And that that job is to be the continual presence of Jesus in the world. See, as Christians, we're not merely reproducing the words of Jesus, just quoting scripture to people. We are living it out. Paul writes, as this... uh, Okay, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, 
which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's not just for Kathy and I who are ordained or Greg or the people up here that are singing. It's for every single one of us. We are called to be the incarnation of Christ. In other words, Christ in us is the hope and glory for the whole world because we're filled with the Holy Spirit. We have a message to share. And it's not about all the things that we do wrong. It's that we need help and we found help. We have an advocate who's for us, who loves us, that transforms us. So we have this specific job, Jesus says in John 13, before he started telling them about the Holy Spirit, a new commandment I give to you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Simple, of course, but difficult to do on our own. But that's what we're called to do as a church, as believers, to love each other, to care about each other, to forgive and to have grace with each other. But we're also in this love, we're not just like, I love you, kind of like the Barney love where, you know, we just are very docile about it. We're also not afraid to confront people in a very positive way when we see people going down a wrong path. In the, uh, the reading from Acts today, uh, you know, this miracle happened, the disciples healed somebody, and then the people started worshiping Zeus, and, and they're like, no, 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 people, this is not the right way. We are bringing you good news telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and earth and the sea and everything in them. See, the people got excited and they went back to their old ways and he's like, no, guys, that's a dead God you're worshiping, dead gods with a little G. This is the real God, the living God. Yeah, you saw a miracle, but there's something so much more greater. You can have the living presence of Christ in your hearts. That's what they're telling them. So love is honest as well. So as we're uh, filled with the Spirit every day, we do this by living, we we enact this by living out our faith, by loving God, by loving people. And the byproduct of this uh, life in the Spirit is a life that's filled with peace. And it's a peace that passes all understanding. And I know we have many seasoned believers in this church, and I'm sure if we interviewed uh, folks here, they would tell you of times when they've gone through extremely difficult times And they felt God's peace in their lives, a peace they cannot explain, a peace that was uh, not a temporary peace, but a real and a lasting peace. You see, the Spirit brings peace to our minds and recognizes, helps us recognize that we can't do it on our own, that we need help. Paul writes, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. See, the reason we can have peace as believers is because we know we're forgiven. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And this peace that uh, was translated here as the, the writers, it was a shalom peace, as the Jews would say. It wasn't just like a peace with no absence of problems, like everything's all right because I don't have any problems. No, it was a holistic peace. It was much bigger. It was a peace that permeated into every area of someone's life. It wasn't just the absence of pain. It was the uh, presence of hope. That's the kind of peace that God can bring into our lives when we trust him, when we realize that we need help and we can't do it on our own. There was a, one of the commentators wrote this, Peace is the harmony that begins when people are, people are in a right relationship to God. For this and this alone produces justice, righteousness, prosperity, health, and security. You see, when we're a right relationship with God, it's not a health and wealth gospel where we're never going to have financial problems, but we understand that our riches are in heaven. 
We understand that death doesn't have the final word in our lives. Our struggles don't because we have the real hope of eternal life. We know where we're going. When you know where you're going, life is not so much filled with chaos, even though there's chaos around you. So what are we going to do with this message today? Well, first of all, I hope the biggest reminder to all of us is that we can't do the Christian life on our own. The Christian life on our own is just not, uh, it's not plausible. It was never meant to be Lone Ranger Christians. It would be kind of like playing dodgeball on your own. Think about that for a second. It doesn't work very well. You throw the ball and there's no one there to throw it anyway. But you guys kind of understand that. It's, uh, it was never meant to be lived on their own. But those who trust in God's action in them will find that the, that the Spirit is in them, living and breathing God. That we no longer become obsessed with ourselves, but we come up, instead we focus on God and our lives become bigger, not smaller. The smallest package in the world is someone who's obsessed with themselves. But when we trust God with our lives, he makes our lives bigger. We have a greater love for people that we have a hard time loving. We have more of a focus of where we're going. So our temporary struggles don't have the final word, just like they did for the early believers. See, the Spirit reminds us of all this. It reminds us of our adoption. It brings the words of Christ to life. We're reminded that we activate the Spirit by putting our faith into action. As James said, faith without works is dead. And the byproduct of this faith is that shalom, that peace, that holistic peace that permeates to all areas of our life. See, this life is available to each and every one of you today and every day when we begin our days and say, I need help, I can't do life on my own. So at Christmas time, I decided to grab the free poinsettias that were in the fellowship hall because they were free, right? And uh, so we have two of them. One of them looks like this um, here four or five months later, and one of them is beginning to have new life. So I don't know where you are this morning. Maybe in your spiritual lives, you feel like you're going through the motion. Maybe you feel dead like this poinsettia right here. Your lives have become just kind of brittle, and you don't feel the life of Christ in your life. Or maybe you recognize that you need help, and you've seen uh, the Holy Spirit come and starting to fill your life with hope, even though times are difficult at times. I encourage you all, be filled with the Spirit. He'll take what is dead and bring life to it. And this isn't a one-time thing like a mountaintop experience. It's an each and every day situation. You know, today, or not today, tomorrow is Memorial Day. And it's a recognition of all those uh, troops, those soldiers that have died, paid the ultimate price for our country. You know, all of the branches of the service have this idea of team, of being together. But I love the Marines uh, saying of, uh, you know, always faithful, how it's translated from the Latin. And one of the things they say is faithful to the mission at hand, to each other, to the core and to the country, no matter what. Hey, if the Marines get it, then we as a body of believers should get this too. That we're always faithful. We're for each other. We recognize that we can't do faith on our own. We have a mission too, to share God's love with the whole world, no matter what. Even when we go through struggles, we can find this peace that is lasting that will bring us through the tough times. 
See, we can become a community that fosters this kind of peace, that brings this kind of hope to the world when we recognize that we need help. So what's God's plan to make God's love, who he is, believable to the world? Believe it or not, God only had one plan. It's you and I. We are the plan. He's made us a part of what he's doing in the world. He's filled us with the Holy Spirit. He offers that to us every day so we can be life and hope to everybody that we come across. Some of you all who were here for Lent during Easter, we read uh, um, Henry Nouwen was one of the authors and C.S. Lewis. This wasn't from the Lenten book, but it's another quote I love of him, and I'm going to end with this. Jesus said, live ecstatically. Move out of that place of death and toward life because I am God who is living. Wherever I am, there is life, there is change, there is growth. There is increase and blossoming and something new. I am going to make everything new. See, that's the kind of faith that we're called into. A faith that brings life to a world that needs it so often. A world that so often the things they look for for life only result in this. But we have hope. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, he can bring life to us every day so we can be hope to the world. In just a few, I mean a minute, maybe less, I'm not always good with time, we're going to say the Nicene Creed together. And when we say it, we're going to say one thing, and I want you to remember this. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. Let's remember that. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you provide the help we need, that on our own, we can't do it. And that really is good news. Help us know that deeply. I pray every day that we would ask the Holy Spirit to fill us, that we'd recognize that we need help. Those dead places in our life, I pray that your new life would, uh, would blossom and sprout forth. Help, help us to be believers who thrive so we can be hope for a world that needs it desperately. And we ask this all in Jesus' name, amen.